and we definitely stay on track with better buddies. And welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. If you won $5 million on the condition you couldn't use it to buy a house, vehicle, or vacation, what's the first thing you would treat yourself to? Oh, that's such a good question. I've got my answer. It's the, it's the, it's the thing I've, I have listed as like, oh, if, if I got a really big payoff for like... A, a lottery or somebody just hands me a bunch of money or um like a, a tax refund if it was big enough i would buy all of the dungeons and dragons fifth edition books and finish out my collection of them oh holy shit well how many are there like god there's like like 20. a lot oh shit I mean, okay. i've already got one two, i've already got six Wait, that's not counting a couple of the others I have. Uh, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, second. I have nine of them already. And I'm missing a lot of the adventures modules. So I would just buy all the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition books because I like having physical media. That's cool. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and then a good way to kind of... That way, dude, you'd be the ultimate DM. You know what I mean? You'd have the full library. The archives are complete. Yeah. And then if mm. I if I really pushed it, I'd probably also buy up a bunch of the Kobold Press 5th edition compatible books because they have a bunch of, like, monster manuals, basically, where it's like, here's a bunch of other monsters you could use that aren't D- Dungeons and Dragons connection, but like their Tome of Beasts one, I think it is, has a basically a theater ghost. It's the Phantom of the Opera. It's it's the Phantom of the Opera, but it's an actual phantom. Is this like a storyline, or is it like a class or a character? Uh, like it's like a bunch like... of monsters you can use in the game. So like as the DM, oh, you're like, so cool. oh yeah the monster manual's really good and like they've got the dungeon like wizards of the coast has put out a bunch of monsters already but here's a bunch of things that kind of fill in the gaps so like here's an ale drake that's literally just this tiny little dragon that hangs out in bars and is like a bar dog or a bar cat oh <laughs> i love that yeah dude that's so cool do they have like illustrations and backstories and yeah. stuff like that yeah too or, uh, oh that's what i already used was an alchemical skunk it is a large skunk with a uh, like a green stripe instead of a white one, and it uh, it's like tail attack spray, like tail spray thing that the stink instead of stinking, it's it's one of six magical effects. Oh, dude, that's sick! I love that. These are like kind of goofy, but they like work in this yeah. like world you know yeah no it's it's totally like a, it's a really good balance of like here's goofy but also here's a bunch of fey fairy lords and ladies did did you ever this just reminded me did you ever read the star wars like did you ever get the star wars role-playing like the guidebooks or whatever where it was I like never the list? Did get around to the guidebooks i, I kept oh, meaning man. to pick them up and then i think they i think they got canceled a couple years ago I I got like I got them when I was a kid. Like I got them from like that one bookstore that was in town that used to be near the town, yeah. uh, the town theater, town cinema, and I just thought they were so. It, it, I'm I only bring it up because it sounds like a lot kind of what you're talking about. Like I love this kind of like you know it had all the different worlds and and like creatures and obviously it had a bunch of like stats for the game which I I didn't. I kind of play the game, but not really. So it's like, I didn't really pay attention to those, but like, I just think that stuff is so cool. It's like such a great involved, um, creative work. You know what I mean? It really like, 
it it's so cool how the writing of those things really brings the world like totally to life piece by piece yeah and that's one of the again that's one of the fun things about cobalt press being like a third-party publisher is they're like hey we're gonna fill in gaps and so that like if you want to do a D world but you want it to be a little more steampunky here's a bunch of shit but yeah, that's what I would do with my $5 million and I could not buy a house, vehicle, or vacation. What would you that's do? That's cool. Um, I'm going to be a little bit of a pretentious city slicker and I'm mm. going to say I I would have, I would, I would buy a nice suit, a nice suit from Paul Stewart. Um, I would like, you know, suit, shoes, tie, whatever. And I would probably, uh, uh, probably I would. I would want it to be tailored. Yeah, I would prefer to. I would. I would like it to be a tailored suit. I might either get in like a, like a burgundy, like a maroon sort Ooh. of color, like a darker red, or maybe just like a classic, like blue with like a black tie and shoes. Um, I get a nice haircut. I. I mean, I go to my same barber. Like I would just you use the money to get you know a regular haircut. I guess get all trimmed and cleaned up, and I would go for a dinner at uh, Le Bernardin, which is this seafood restaurant in new york um i only know about it because i read this one uh it was made it was founded by this guy named eric repair i think that's how you say his last name he's french um and he grew up on like one of the coastal in a small coastal city i think of france uh and he's like a very famous uh, uh chef and i read his book uh it was called 32 yolks and it's like a very small little autobiography basically about his life growing up in you know the coast and learning cooking from his mother and his father and his grandmother and coming to america and doing all this stuff and i so badly want to go to like a dinner there and i would want to do it kind of in style um so i would probably um i'd probably do that i'd probably have like a nice night out i would love if i was like seeing somebody i would totally bring them or if I had like friends in town, um, I might even invite people like to come in to town and be like, hey, like we're going to go like kind of have like a, a classic like New York night at this like great seafood place. And, you know, maybe after that we go to like a, a whiskey bar for cigars or just like a really cool kind of like nice rooftop and we can all like chill and have a good time. It would be really cool for me to be able to like bring like you or John or Calvin or like a bunch of people like my friends like. Yeah. to a place like that we get to have like a really cool kind of like new york time you know we got the so, money let's burn it yeah let's burn it my man and it'd be sick like it would be expensive but like you would pro we'd probably drop like like it would the if depending on what we actually got like the meals there are expensive but it's like it's not expense like it's not like you're not getting like a thousand dollars a plate or whatever but it's yeah. still like it's still look pretty expensive it's like a couple hundred dollars each course essentially so okay. you could easily drop a little over a grand at the restaurant and then if you want to go to a decent rooftop like like rent one out that's probably another like five eight hundred maybe another grand and then you know depending on supplies or whatever so it's like between like five and ten grand at the most for like a really nice like 10 grand would be like a really nice quiet luxury night um but it would be worth it to spend that time with my friends and have a great meal and uh just some just some fun get some good views and uh yeah i would totally do that hell yeah awesome yes sir our next segment is Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Would you like to start? I can go, absolutely. So I have this band that was recently recommended to me by a mutual friend of ours. Uh, shout out to Mr. J. Uh, thank you for this. Um, there's this band called uh, Surrender My Solace, um, and they have an album called Reflections. I need to say that this is this is not music that i would personally seek out or probably like listen to on my own so i'm very glad that i had uh like a friend recommend this to me and i listen to them it's not exactly i have to be honest it's not exactly my cup of tea it's very like um you said it's surrender like, my solace 
Surrender my solace. Yeah. So it's surre- like capital S on surrender, lowercase m on my, and then solace is capital S as well. And their album is Reflections. And it's very like uh, Jay described it as like Lincoln Park kind of vibes. And that is sort of what it is. It's very like driving. It sounds like something you'd see or hear in like a mid 2000s kind of like music video where it's like a little angsty and it kind of dips into like metal here and there but it will also have very nice like lilting quiet lyrics or vocal like vocalizations and um almost like orchestral instrumentation so there's something that's like it is there's something a little just a little corny about it but there's also something i actually found kind of like genuinely enjoyable genuinely enjoyable about listening to some of these songs because you can tell that this band is like genuinely having fun like playing this music and it just sounds sort of uh, like there's a lot of heart in it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I really liked uh, this recommendation, especially as something that like I normally don't, uh, I would not seek out again, like on my own. Uh, not really and it was, the like, just, genre that you would typically go for. No, not at all. But it was like, it was cool to get like a peek into this and to know that there are people like our age. Cause I think they're around our age who are like doing this is like so neat. I think they're like from the Midwest too. Hmm. Um, so like absolute shout out to them. Uh, I, I, I did like, uh, I had, I actually added one of their songs. Like I favorited one of their songs. Um, hold on. Uh, I, I think it was, I think I liked either. I think waiting in the end was the one I really liked. If you, if you give the, the album, listen, um, but yeah, I was actually surprised because there are some songs in it that are a little jar- jarring, but for the most part, I was able to just like really sink into it and listen to it. And uh, it was nice. So I would, I would recommend if you want kind of, again, like that Linkin Park, a little bit edgy kind of throwback to like a 2000s uh, metal orchestral kind of punkish style like i would totally check out surrender my solace because i think you're gonna find exactly what you're looking for cool i'm gonna go to listen do it my man do it do it because i do like kind of um, some of that genre and that stuff like because lincoln park what, what other bands would lincoln park be similar to um oh man probably like uh I'm thinking a little like they're kind of adjacent to like three steps from hell, uh, kind of like three steps from hell are the people who do the very epic, like driving, hmm. like epic music type of stuff. Or um, three days grace hmm. is probably something they're similar to maybe like even avenge sevenfold. Uh, yeah. Like, I realized kind of, that in asking yeah. this question, I shouldn't have know. because yeah. I am the worst person on earth. I'm one of the worst people on earth for knowing bands. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm like, really just kind of saying names that I've heard, like, associated with them. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, yeah. So, so okay. it's, I don't know what you would necessarily call that genre. Like, it's rock, but it's a very distinct kind of rock. It's not punk. It's not, like, quite metal. It's Is almost it like rock? the pop. I mean, it's almost like the pop punk version of metal is what I would say, to a degree. Um, and I don't know if there's, like, an actual term for that. Uh, but and I mean that in like whispering? a good way too. Uh there's like a little I think there um there's actually a little bit of like scream whispering, I think, on this album, but I could I could be wrong. There are definitely some forays in a metal, so get ready for some of the stuff to be a little bit aggressive. But okay. there's also some like vocalizations that are genuinely really fun to listen to. Very sweet, um, honestly very good production, like overall. So it doesn't sound amateurish. It sounds like these these guys really know what they're doing. Or ladies as well, if there are any involved. Uh, but yeah, cool, awesome. I I was asked the other day, like, "Oh, are you listening to any new music?" And I was like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> so Damn. now I've got something new I can go listen to. Yeah, man, check them out. Support some Midwest boys and/or possibly girls who are doing their thing. You know. Well, my uh, recommendation yeah, what, what is about one you? that is a little controversial right now because it's not doing as well as the theaters it probably should there's uh, a few movies you could say that about honestly right now fair you know what that's fair it, the summer blockbusters not blockbusting 
I'll tell you. It that. is the hot. It's busting, but it's not really <laughs> blockbusting right now. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh. I liked it. Ooh. I had a good time. Take. Okay. All right. Um, for anybody who's like, ah, oh, they're, they're trying to replace Indiana Jones with a woman. Like, no. <laughs> they didn't. They're not. No. Shut the fuck up. I I heard people found her annoying. Guess what I heard? Uh, I heard that it was a little quippy and sort of like that millennial type of writing. It's a little you know? quippy, little millennial, but it's also mostly like that kind of thing is confined to her. Okay. So it's not like, oh, everybody's just quipping. It's she, her characterization is she's a snarky bitch who is kind of the, like, she's the character who Indy, Indy loves her. And like, not in a weird way, but in like a, oh, you're my, cause that's her, that's uh, Indiana's goddaughter. So he's okay. like, oh, oh you're my I goddaughter. I, I, I want you to be good and do the right thing. But God damn it. Could you please stop being a pain in my ass for three seconds? Does she have any relation to Mutt? Like, no. is there any continuity with the Crystal Scholar? There is. Okay. And, and oh. actually, it, I think it plays really well. Okay. Um, because the, I mean, the initial, because um, there's that scene of Indiana Jones and the horse, right? Like in New York. Mm-hmm. That's the ticker tape parade for going to the moon. Oh, fascinating. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So it's like, it's uh, still Cold War era America. Yes. Okay. But there, there's an active conflict going on because that's the, that'd be the 60s. Yeah. I want to say, for some reason, I always think that we went to space in 63, like got to the moon, but I think we got to the moon in 69, right? I think 1969 was the moon landing, but I could be totally fucking wrong. Moon landing. Uh, the moon landing was 1969. Okay. Um, but there's also the Vietnam War. Oh, interesting. So they bring that in somehow. So, and that that comes in a little bit, uh, particularly like Indiana Jones uses a protest as a like distraction to escape some people chasing him. Um, okay. But they do, there is continuity as to Mutt and Marion like not being in most of the movie, but she comes back at the end because her in Indiana, like in the beginning of the film, it's like, oh. There's the divorce papers. Oh, damn. Um, oh, man. Okay. And they... Uh, I think something a lot of people forget with Indiana Jones, and I really only remember this because I watched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade on the plane when I was on vacation. Okay. Indiana Jones movies are not real archaeology, and they're kind of goofy. So, like, I can definitely see yeah. some people saying, like, oh, they, this is like Crystal Skull all over again with the aliens, and it's like, okay. Yeah, Crystal Skull maybe wasn't the greatest, but it was so realistic that Indiana Jones found the goddamn Ark of the Covenant, and when he opened it, souls flew out and killed a bunch of Nazis. Or yeah, yeah. The Last Crusade. He goes into a temple where the 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 chalice of Jesus is, the literal Holy Grail, and there is a literally hundreds of years old knight who's been hanging out, drinking from the Grail, and just sitting there. I think. I think. I think that's fair. I do think the defense would be that like the original Indiana Jones plot lines were much more centered in a kind of almost like mythology that like plays better in archaeology like it, it it's yes. just a little more sort of like it feels older and those stories like 
it's like something that you could see maybe an archaeologist like fictionally coming across whereas i think like people maybe felt that the aliens thing was like a bit of a jump the shark moment where it's just so like it's so patently literally like outlandish you know i would put out there that everybody gets caught up in like crystal skull aliens but you don't Mm -hmm. know it's aliens until the end you don't know it's aliens until they return the skull that's true Um, that's very true in this yeah, one, it's uh, the whole like archaeological quest is very much centered in Archimedes and the uh, like his oh the solar rays that he made using the mirrors and like whatever war that was with the Romans mm-hmm. and the Greeks. Um, fuck, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not an archaeologist, but uh, overall, the <laughs> film the film was good. It okay. really kind of highlighted how Indiana Jones is stubborn old man, but is an old man where, uh, like, he tries to punch guys out and it's like, mm, you're a little old, Indy. <laughs> you're not so good at that anymore. Uh, but it also highlights his, like, knowledge. Because, like, there's a chase scene later in the movie where, like, they're going through the streets in a vehicle and the, uh, what's-her-name and her kid sidekick are both like, no, no, go take this road, take this road. And Indiana's like, nope, I'm taking the other road. Like, literally they're telling him, like, go left, go left, go left. And he goes right. But every <laughs> time he's doing it right, like... He's never wrong about where to go. So it's like, yeah, okay. The side character, like, oh, the side characters are younger. They know better. And it's like, no, Indiana Jones is Indiana Jones. He he knows these streets better than you do. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I think, because that's good. Because I think one of the biggest complaints with Crystal Skull was just like, um, was the fact that he does it is just the fact that he's an old man and that movie didn't seem really to know what to do with his his age i did watch um i think i think it's a good point like uh that these guys brought up uh red letter media um and i do i do still respect like quite a bit of their their critiques of the movies like star wars or indiana jones and like the crystal skull and stuff like that even though like now that I've gotten like just a little bit older, like I do respect still like the Star Wars prequels actually more than I did like years ago. Um, and I could see changing like an opinion on Crystal Skull. It's honestly been ages since I've seen it personally. But I do think like one of their points was, you know, like Indiana Jones, those initial movies are really cool because like Harrison Ford is this young, handsome, d- d- dashing globetrotting archaeologist and like what kid doesn't really want to be that it's the same kind of like catharsis as james bond so they pointed out that like having indiana jones be like old is almost like contrary to the purpose of his character where he's supposed to be this kind of like american um sort of like not answer to bond but almost an, an american equivalent like yeah. How do you think, like, how do you think that movie, this movie handles that, would handle that critique? And, like, what do you think that is true? Like, do you think that critique is, I guess, accurate? And how do you think they could go about making other Indiana Jones movies? Because the issue is, right, is, like, Indiana Jones is his actual name. Whereas, like, you I... know, James Bond has a name, too. But, like, 007 is a position that switches. It's always been they something that's They won't make around. Indiana Jones movies without Harrison Ford unless they fully reboot it. I can okay. tell you that right now. Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Um, mm-hmm. I think this film did a really good job of ramping him up to being indie. Because, um, like, it opens, as all Indiana Jones films shouldn't do... With him on a previous adventure. Like, ah, he's on this caper for this one thing. And then along the way ends up, ah, now we're in the the real adventure. That one was to, much like James Bond, it's like, oh, that's the previous mission, now we're in the real mission. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's set back during World War II. 
So it's they do this whole CGI with uh, young Indy, and I, they actually do a really good job of it. Uh, there's only a, I think there were two points in the entire thing where I was like, ooh, CGI didn't work so well there. But overall, okay. it works. Um, but then when they take it to the quote-unquote present day with old Indiana, they do a really good job of, like, ramping him back into Indy. Like, he does not start off as Indiana Jones. He starts off as Dr. Henry Jones Jr., professor at this New York college, and he's literally about to retire. Like, his coworkers throw him a 10-year party, and as he's leaving it, He's telling himself, like, yeah, I'm, I'm retiring. <laughs> uh, but once the adventure, like, once he starts getting drawn back into the adventure, and he's like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta leave America and go to the Middle East or wherever it was, Sala, from the original movies, is a taxi driver in New York. And shows up to Indy and is like, oh, here's here's your bag, I packed some things for you. And Indy opens the bag, and there's the whip. And the hat. And so, Hmm. when Indy lands outside of New York, he is dressed as Indiana Jones. And it just, as the movie goes on from there, it's, he, he becomes more and more like, yes, I'm Indiana Jones. Um, to the point where, kind of the, like, climactic question of the movie is can Indiana Jones stop being Indiana Jones or like can, can Indiana Jones acknowledge that he he's okay to not be that young man anymore um mm. because he's about ready to just leave everything behind at the chance to like he basically he, he, get, he gets offered an opportunity no archaeologist could ever be offered and he, he he he's forced to grapple with can he like do that uh and i would the choice isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily his alone like it's kind of made for him but i think it was the right thing of he needed to be brought back down to earth okay but of course the the literal last shot of the movie is the uh it's fading to black but it's like zooming in for the circle around the hat and you see the hat hanging on a clothesline and his hand reaches through the window and grabs the hat off the clothesline <laughs> oh okay i like that that's not bad that's very in keeping I think it's tough. I think it's tough because he's such a, like, Harrison Ford is such, he's going to go down as, like, he's kind of like the blockbuster king, dude. Like, he he has been in some of the biggest series that have had some of the widest cultural impact. I mean, And he's one about to man, join the MCU. Is he really? Yep. he uh, He's taking over the part of Thunderbolt Ross. Is that like a superhero or like a um, member of S.H.I.E.L.D.? General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross is a military man. He is a primary antagonist of the Hulk. Um, mm. The role was with somebody else, but that guy died. I don't remember who the actor okay. is, but he passed away. And was so, it Lance Reddick? Maybe. Um, okay. I'd have to look it up. But Ford is taking over the role for the Thunderbolts movie. And theoretically rumored i don't know how confirmed it is he's going to be red hulk interesting which is interesting but also it's like harrison ford is not a young man so you better do whatever you want to do with the red hulk real quick yeah yeah i would be wary about that i mean i don't know dude i can't believe one guy helmed indiana jones like starred in indiana jones like Blade Runner, yeah, Star Wars, essentially, um, Air Force, you know, a bunch of other Air Force One, a bunch of other successful ones. He was, uh, um, he was in a bunch of, um, like Tom Clancy shit, wasn't he? Or was that Jack Reacher? He was Jack Reacher, I think. Was he really? I don't know. Now I gotta look it up. Because he was somebody. He was one of those like, churns him out by the month. 
um, character. Uh, let's see, Harrison Ford movies. I'm thinking of. He was in American Graffiti. Um, yes, he was. Clear and Present Danger, I think. And. Uh, yeah, maybe it was Clear and Present Danger. I'm thinking of where he plays. Jack Ryan, yep. How old is he? He's 80 years old. Holy yeah. fuck. And then Tom Cruise is like 60 some shit. It's like, fuck you, Tom Cruise. Yeah, seriously. I am. I. I can't take. Uh, what's the what's the Cruise's main action thing? Mission Impossible. I can't take Mission Impossible seriously. I've actually never seen a Mission Impossible movie. I've um, seen like three of life. them. I seen saw the first two, and then Mission Impossible Fallout. Which, fun fact, Mission Impossible Fallout is the one with Henry Cavill where he cocks his fists. And that was something yes. Cavill improvised for that fight scene. Because it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a, oh, I'm going to do this as like a cool thing. It was, oh my god, we've done so many takes of this, I need to stretch my muscles out. So he did oh, one take that's... doing that. And then he went back to the other way and the director was like, why did, wait, wait, why didn't you do that? Do that again. Oh, that's so cool. I kind of love that. <laughs> but Mission Impossible Fallout, I was watching it having seen, like, I'd seen Mission Impossible 1 once before. So I watched Fallout, and I was like, man, his friends are really concerned about his marriage. <laughs> like, there is a thermonuclear device, and they are discussing his ex-wife. Does no one care is, about the nuke? Is that the draw, though, Mission Impossible? Is it kind of like an Archer thing that it's all, no. it's like, I don't, Okay. It's supposed to be serious. Like, Ethan Hunt is a very serious spy who's trying to get out of the game, and they keep drawing him back in. And he, But, like, he ends up burned every time, and he ends up with everybody after him every time. So it's just kind of like... Okay. Cool. You're about to do this two-parter movie where it's part one, part two for the the last Mission Impossible and everybody's gonna be after you again. But this time it's for real. I just don't <laughs> care. Like, congratulations, dude. Yeah, it feels like it's amazing to see that James Bond is really the only film franchise I feel like that has pulled off that that recurring. Um, well, I think part of it is that character. Bond refreshes, right? Yeah, Where, like James Bond will do two, three, four movies, and then it's basically a reboot where it's like, okay, brand new James Bond, and we're gonna have this era of Bond where like you get the was it Sean Connery. Or was it after Sean Connery, where it was, like, super goofy? Um, Sean Connery was kind of goofy. Sean yeah. Connery had some, like, 60s camp to it, for sure. So, like, you'll have a campy Bond era, and but then, like, you've got the Daniel Craig super serious Bond era. But with mm. Daniel Craig, it was, like, Escalation. But his first movie was Casino Royale, where it's like, okay, there's a thing you need to get out of that briefcase. Play poker. Cool, we play poker. And then, like, even as the, at least as my understanding goes, as the Daniel Craig Bonds, like, escalated, it didn't fully escalate every time. Like, with the Bond, the escalation was never extreme, like, jumps. But with Mission Impossible, it's kind of like, alright, um... You've been burned from the agency four or five times now. Burned every time. Because it's happened in the first one. Like, he gets burned from the agency in the first one because they he gets framed. And they think he he's a bad guy. So he, he gets burned and they he has to escape the agents that are chasing him. And... Literally the entire the entire planet was kind of after him in Fallout, cause it's like, oh, you gotta you gotta find the nukes, but you don't get any support from us. So you gotta do it on your own. Yeah, and, that just seems kind of repetitive, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and watch them, but like, 
going into this new one, it was just kind of like, I... Congratulations, Tom Cruise. You're Tom Cruise. Hey, he's doing his best. He just, dude, he just does those movies because he likes doing his own stunts. That's that's his big thing. I bet you twenty dollars Tom Cruise wears a wig. No way. I fully believe. I do not believe that man is sixty and his hair looks that good on Die Alone. Mm, I I don't know if it's a full wig, but I wouldn't be surprised if they put something like extra stuff to. In there, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, have you looked at a picture of Tom Cruise here there. recently? I have not actually. Let me I'm go do that. Hold on. Tom Cruise, American actor. Look at that head of hair and those wrinkles from two weeks ago. That man does not have hair. Maybe you're just maybe you're just jealous, Archie. Maybe you're jealous of his I have more hair than Tom Cruise does. I don't know, dude. That looks it doesn't I, okay, I don't think it's a full wig, but I I wouldn't be surprised if if it there were extensions or something at play. He does still look pretty good though, and he I mean he was really good looking when he was a kid, when he was younger. He's definitely dying it at least, They're guaranteed. No good man gets to that age C. and does not have gray hair. He's fucking 60. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever seen like some of the Italians like Martin Scorsese had like really dark eyebrows for like ever. You know what I mean? That's eyebrows. That's different. We're talking head of hair. It's fair. Let's see. Also, fuck Scientology. Just putting that out there. Not me. I fully endorse it. Nah, fuck off, James. <laughs> No, just kidding. I don't endorse it at all. Scientology grooms people to be Tom Cruise's wives. What, you don't want to be Tom Cruise's wife? No. What do you mean, no? No. Fuck that. <laughs> I don't know, dude. What if they're right? They're not. They could be. They could be. They're fucking not. You know? They believe psychology is illegal, immoral, and unethical. No, sorry, not psychology. Psychiatry. Hey, you know, they could be right. Um, we could all we could all be alien souls nope. trapped. Nope. Fuck that. Fuck this. Fuck you. I'm out. S- sounds like you need a Thetan reading, my friend. No, fuck sounds that. Sounds like <laughs> if Scientology becomes the dominant power on this planet, I quit. <laughs> I think it would take quite a bit for that to happen. But I, I would probably agree that I, I don't think I'd want to. Uh, I don't think I want to be here. That's assuming, of course, that the dominant power is something less. Currently, is something less monstrous than Scientology, which I suppose it could be. So I think there's the at least some powers hope in on that. the planet are less monstrous than Scientology. I'll put it this way: whatever current power is in control of our planet, it's letting me live my shitty little life and not taking away my therapy. That's fair. That's, yeah, but it could be the reason you need therapy. You know what I That's mean? That's fine. I don't know that. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. If There's I don't no know it, evidence. that doesn't matter then, does it? RJ, don't say that. <laughs> oh, man. That's some MK Ultra talk right there. No, nah, MK if Ultra. If I just can't, failed. if I, Dude, MK Ultra uh, on you or in general? No, in general, MK Ultra was a massive failure. They couldn't get shit to work. Dude, I don't know about that. I, I, do. I think that they're. I think that they're probably pretty successful. I'll put it this honestly. way, James: If MK Ultra worked, we'd know about mm-hmm. it by now. No, no, we no, would. We would. Reason being, <laughs> the reason being, military intelligence has moved from who has the intelligence to everyone has intelligence. What do you do with it? There is no, there are no secrets anymore. Everything's out in the open. It's just, can you work with it and use, sift through the information to get what you need faster than everyone else? Yeah. But intelligence is like, intelligence is partially the information, but it's also like, like intelligence is also about like conditioning and control. 
and like if MK how Ultra you... worked, every other country would have MK Ultra, and then it would be moot. I yeah, but that's assuming that in some ways, like that, there aren't either similar programs or that like I don't know about that. Like I don't think. Um, okay, so here's a question. Maybe I've talked about this before. Um, who 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 uh, helped initially fund? The Museum of Modern Art. Who do you think? Uh, CIA. Yeah. Did I talk about this before? No, I feel like I have. we're talking about the CIA, so it's a good guess. Yeah. And it's like, would you have guessed that? Like, had I not, had we not have been having a conversation about the Central Intelligence Agency or this shit? If I just asked you randomly, like, man, like, who do you think, like, pays for the model? No, like, I wouldn't have. But. So it's like, that's my point is like, like. And there's reasons for that. Like, there's reasons why that information is why out in the open. does the CIA pay for the Museum of Modern Art? It's, do you want, dude, this is a whole thing. Do you want me to go into it? I'll try and be I succinct. Mean, you get five words. Maybe seven. Uh, okay. And CIA counts as one. Okay. Um, artistic uh warfare against communist culture is basically the best way i could sum it up so the whole idea That's was like if we yeah if we fund independent art um but it's got to be abstract and just really fucking weird basically uh something that is almost the exact opposite to the current communist or like socialist aesthetic like we're not only going to curb the potential spread of the ideology in our own culture, but we'll be able to spread a an artistic mentality of a supreme individualism through abstract art that will effectively possibly curb communism elsewhere. But like that is the stated intention, and there are other things too. I mean, the CIA had a huge all these programs. They had MK Ultra, which was like their their mind control, or basically it wasn't even just mind control; it was trauma research, essentially. Yeah. Like, how much can we traumatize somebody, and like, like how much does that affect our ability to basically mess with them? And by some accounts, it worked pretty fucking well. They figured out how to do it. Possibly, um, they had Mockingbird, which is basically putting in. CIA paid uh, like journalists, artists, and inserting them into the culture and essentially generating a culture that was like, yes, organic to a degree, but also guided by the Central Intelligence Agency, which sounds like that fucking worked. Um, uh, like, James, I'm sorry. We're going to have to cut the feed. Yeah. Sorry, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm a tinfoil hat is coming is coming on. But yeah, so I can't go down this road or also be on it for like okay. an hour. But yeah, um, that's I don't know, dude. I think a lot of it worked. And I think like, oh, I'm sure plenty I don't of think... it worked. MK Ultra did not. Oh, man, I, I, I would at least I can't like I can't just on principle like agree with that. Like I will at least settle for saying like it probably did not work as well as they wanted it to. Um, but I because do think MKUltra, I... a lot of MK Ultra was about mind control and they just, they never got anything to work the way they wanted to. And particularly, I think the main reason I'm so against MK Ultra having worked is because of the hypnosis aspect, right? Well, like what my dad does for work mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like, they literally tried to use hypnosis to create sleeper assassins and even setting up all of the variables and everything and telling the person under hypnosis, like, oh, it's okay. You're in a play. It's a fake gun. Person still wouldn't pull the goddamn trigger. Like, they yeah, literally could not make someone murder someone else through hypnosis. That's why, though, like, there are... And this gets into, like, real internet conspiracy type stuff, but that's why there are theories of, like that they moved on from that they went more to trauma-based responses the idea that if you traumatize the mind especially from an early age that you can essentially get it to fracture and you can train the independent parts to operate based on trigger words um but that's not how schizophrenia works but i I don't disorder (laughs) 
I mean, I don't know. Like, I, and again, this is some. It sounds like something out of like a spy novel. So I have no. I, I know have no someone who knows clue. someone with an actual split personality. But what I'm saying is like that's a split personality that is like we're not talking about like like oh we're gonna do this over a weekend. We are talking like from an early. I'm talking from the age of like four or five. We are doing this, and we are doing this for a decade. Like we are talking about highly intensive, like severely supremely disturbing like traumatic training yeah that's fine i i push back against the idea that they could get someone to switch with the code word just because what i understand of psychology and of split personality is you there is no control i mean i'm sure if if they could control it i think they would be doing that a lot more I mean, I I don't know. Like, it's hard because it's like, how do we know? Like, and I hate to be like, well, how how do we know? But it's like, like, there's no way to know because if it works, no one's ever going to know. Like, if it works, like, you know. Counterpoint, a lot of military mm -hmm. tech applications end up back in the civilian once it's not as big a deal. So maybe in 30 years, we'll have that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I have like... Listen, in my deep, dark internet research, like I've read a lot of uh, a lot of theories on this stuff, and I that is something I don't want us to have in modern society because it's it's like some of it's like supremely like fucked. Over like, Fourth it's of July, twisted. I I was at like socializing somewhere, and somebody asked the question of like, well, if, if we're if this is where we're at with Chat GPT and AI now, imagine where the military's at with it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, mm, I don't think the military is as far along as you think they are with it. I mean, it's like a genuinely, it's a generally accepted idea or notion that usually DARPA or like military tech is like 30 years ahead of, of like civilian. But, but the thing is, is that sounds like, uh, that sounds like something that people would say so that they can convince other people that they're like so far ahead. You know what it, I mean? It reminds um, me of so... a, a joke about Japan that I was told while on vacation that 20 years ago, it was mm-hmm. uh, back in the uh, like the 80s, 90s, it was come to Japan, technology of 20 years from now today. And then in the 2000s, it was Japan, technology 10 years from now today. And then the 2010s, it was Japan, the technology of today, today. And now in the 2020s, it's Japan, the technology of 10 years ago, today. (laughs) (laughs) Because of how much they uh... use fax machines and stuff still. And it's just like, I think that's kind of where our military's at right now. Where it was like, yeah, back in like the 70s, 80s, 90s, we were really cutting edge. But everything's just kind of evened out, and there's been no real big revelations. So it's kind of like, okay, cool. Like it reminds me of a uh, pop science. Or do you, do you ever see the pop science magazine? Like I'm, I'm familiar of it. I think yeah. I've like read a couple. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Popular Science magazine. I remember back in the mid to late two thousands, had a issue where they went into like, here's what soldiers are gonna look like twenty years from now. And they're going to carry these mm-hmm. pen things on the battlefield that'll stop her up bullet wounds with foam. Like, it, basically, they're like, yeah, in like thir- 20 to 30 years, we're going to have the Marines from Halo. We don't have the Marines from Halo. No, I mean, I do think the problem is, is like, you think about military tech and like, even as it relates to intelligence, and it's like, there's no reason to like we're drifting away from like war or conflict is never going to leave really like i don't think our disposition for like thousands of years but like um there's no reason to keep investing in it other than just to match what everybody else has and to to maybe slightly outstrip them like there's no reason anymore because like we're not fighting huge conflicts like it's it's incredibly dangerous to even manufacture like well different kinds of weapons and stuff like that you know monetary costs Uh, i was reading an article uh over the weekend actually that the military's biggest cost right now 
is actually paying their people. Like, because we are a volunteer-only force, and we've kind of celebrated the fact that we are a volunteer-only military, they've had to pay pretty significant bonuses and wages and benefits and things to stay competitive. And the... Now, the everybody exaggerates, and it's probably not as accurate as it could be, but they were saying, like, oh, in 10 to 20 years, the uh, support and, uh, like benefits payments and those kinds of things are going to be the majority of the military's budget. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, there's... The the Navy's already working on a shoestring. The Navy's been working on shoestring since, like, 2018. That I knew Well, we have... We have a huge... We have a huge Navy. Yeah. Like, it's massive. Like, we're literally patrolling... Every part of the world. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's insane. Um... And, but we're patrolling like, the entire planet with ships that are struggling to stay maintained because we focus on keeping it massive rather than keeping it pristine. Yeah, the the issue though is like it. I was actually talking with people about this yesterday. Like, I think America is gonna like we forget that before. Um, but bef- like before this, like before 1941, like America's ultimate foreign policy was isolationist. Like we don't, we never, we did not see ourselves as a global power because quite frankly, we really weren't. Like we were pretty self-contained and dealing with ourselves. That's why I really like like the period of American culture between like 1820 and like around to like about 1914, 15 is really, really cool, especially in the later part of the 19th century. Like you see a very unique, original, different sort of culture actually springing up from, from our country. And I mean, we had we had thinkers who influenced like Nietzsche. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we were actually producing and finding ideas on our own, and and doing things in kind of like our own way. And then the world wars happen, and we're kind of like brought into this role that we were partially forced into, but also partially have like heartily assumed of like the joke, obviously being like you know Team America, World Police, and it's like. There is an issue where now maybe like I, I do think we're going to go through a period, honestly, of like slowly stripping down to basics and probably kind of like focusing back in on ourselves. And I think part of this has to do with um, the effects of like the pandemic and Corona and sort of seeing like, OK, oh. like, um, you know, we'll see like, what happens with Ukraine. Yeah, but it's just like we don't like does anyone really want to fucking fight a war? Does anyone in any country really believe in the stated goals of the current? Like we're all so like, I'm not, it's not like everything is like messed up, messed up, but we got to like get some serious shit straight. Like fighting is, is, is masturbatory, dude. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's fucking stupid. And I know that's like, but also if Russia is going to roll tanks through Ukraine into Germany or some shit, is kind of like or whatever it's between Germany and Ukraine. But even that, like, and I am not at all. Cause like a lot of people have died in the conflict and it's, it's horrific, but it's like, it feels like this little conflict. It feels like two old men who are trying to play roles that they saw on television as kids. Again, like hey. it feels, it feels it, dude, it feels to me very feeble. It feels like, it feels pathetic. It it feels like I it, it I'd, I'd agree with you for Putin. I would not put that on Ukraine. No, 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 not the Ukraine. Like I'm saying, like the the war between the United States and Russia feels like oh. it feels like two old guys were trying to relive like the glory days when they were like the talk of the town. You know what I mean? And their rivalry was bringing everybody, filling stadiums, like. It's like bringing two old boxers out back into the ring and having them like fight each other. I mean, yeah. and it's it's kind of 
pathetic and severely outdated and just probably a sign that like all across the world new leadership is desperately needed um because we can't fight wars from 30 years ago today it's it's fucking ridiculous and embarrassing so you're um, saying we should have a new war with the chinese uh no because um one you know i don't want to kick a nerd's ass uh but two <laughs> um two like that dude they <laughs> They are so like that. That whole system is so nakedly just like it's like they clearly they like they they fucking took everything that we did and they just did it themselves and now they're pretend like like China is an American. It's a it's a China is a Chinese knockoff of American capitalism. Like it, it's ridiculous and they've just like all they've done is made it like more authoritarian than ours is and like that's it like. I'm not going to say that they haven't made great strides forward in tech or that their cities aren't impressive because they absolutely are as they steal um, tech as they steal tech. But it's like, they're only, they right now are only what they are because they leached off of us. And they're just, they are also like another old man who is like trying to reassert himself, who what the fuck are they doing? Like they ran the world economically or they're part of it for like thousands of years. Was that not enough? That wasn't nope. enough. Like you, you know, you got like, you got all that time, but just, you just, what you, now you want to do it again. You really yep. think you're fit for it. They do. No. And that's why they're no. calling in literally all of their debts and you're ruining a bunch of third world countries are like, yeah, that's brilliant, you know, because every, you know what, everyone wants to live like China. I forgot everyone. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that the American system is like perfect because it's clearly not. But like, Jesus Christ, like you could show people pictures or videos of what it's like to live in certain parts of China and certain parts of the United States I uh, or any Western country. And I would bet for the most part, like, like China isn't even it's not even Eastern. It's like Chinese. Like they don't like play by anyone else's rules in the region other than their own yep you know what i mean so it's like no absolutely. at least in the united like in the united states at least it's like like you know there's there are obviously major claims to this overriding uh ethnic uh like uh sort of and i i mean like in the sense of it being like a predominantly european culture and all that other stuff but like we made room for other people and like there's so some talk wanna, of assimilation. I think this is a good but... I think this is a good point to bring up this question that was in our how to be a better buddy list for the day that we're not going to get okay. to any of the other ones but the question I think applies here is what unique freedoms does the USA have? Okay. Um I think our freedom of speech is a big one. <laughs> I, I think so, too. Like, I think freedom of speech. Yes, there are other countries with relatively free speech, like Britain, uh, Britain, French, kinda. <laughs> French, for the France has it to a degree. Uh, I think Germany has Italy's some pretty strict okay. libel laws. Um, Italy's, I think it's okay. Possibly Spain. Um, but, like, in America, but, you can critique criticize and complain and bitch about anything you can bitch about literally any politician yeah and it's like it's socially acceptable you'll find like you'll find an audience and it's not always the best thing but i agree and where it's like they're yeah. putting this out there they're wrong for it they're wrong to fucking do it don't be fucking racist don't be a nazi but morons can go out and play dress up as no ha 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 we're gonna make the country great and yeah you're fucking idiots for doing it but you know legally under the constitution you have you, you're free to say that you're free to be an idiot congratulations but you're free to do yeah it. and that's like free will that's like the the all debatably the ultimate state of human beings um like and does it always yield the best results? Like, no, not, no, 
absolutely not. But like it's yielded some all right ones. Like I think it's hard to contest that. And I would also say like what I would say is America's great contribution is this idea that like um, and this goes all the way back to even like John Locke. It's like the idea that you have these rights are inherent, inalienable. They're not foreign to you. I, like, I, I want to know what rights you think these are. The rights like we'll say like the rights enumerated in the Constitution or like the right to we'll say like the right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The idea I that you that. have the the idea that you have like the right to a kind of life that human being it. I wouldn't say it like is owed, but deserves as like a living human being. See, the, the, that's one of the things mm-hmm. I'm like, I think people need to remember a little bit more is that like, yes, people should have access to education. People should have access to housing, access to clean water and food and internet and whatever. But none mm-hmm. of those are rights. You have the right to life liberty and pursuing happiness you don't have the right to mm-hmm. happiness you have the right to pursue it yeah because no one like you can't if someone gave you happiness you won't actually be happy you do have to find it but i i would say that it it is it should be incumbent on a country any country to to give its citizens the tools and the resources to find it and there are plenty yeah. of places in this country where that is not they they are there are communities that are vastly underserved so there is something to be said for that. I would say though that like with these like rights, what our what our contribution I think truly greatly is, and this has been said by other great political powers and stuff like that, but for us, like the landmark thing was the idea that like like th- these rights exist whether or not they are written down. That yep. these are the rights, these are human rights. L- literally, they are as as close to you as your your dna that they are inborn within you and that nobody can take them away yes and anyone who tries to tell you otherwise is lying or they are malicious or they might just not know any better but that is it is ridiculous for anybody to try and like trample on those rights because i think ultimately like they are the things that every human being is in some way does deserve and that is what to me is like frustrating about like the chinese system is it's very clear that they don't give a fuck they're like everything you do is for is for the betterment of the state there's no conception of your personhood under that system it is purely and totally organized towards like basically supporting the state infrastructure and that's how they've lived for like thousands of years i'm not saying Eh, they have beautiful culture genuinely thousands thousands is a strong word well i mean like they're the longest operating state in human history i mean in our modern history as as my understanding of their history goes it really wasn't until the communist revolutions that it, it became as you're describing well like it wasn't as uh modernly authoritarian but like like they're they have been they live for so long under this idea like the chinese version of heaven their idea religiously in some parts of the country is that it is basically it's literally called it like it's the empire of heaven or something like that it's like their idea of the afterlife is basically a giant celestial bureaucracy that functions like much like the chinese like the old ancient chinese kingdom where there are like holy bureaucrats and sort of like spirits that are working as like file clerks and will like go down to earth and sort of like mediate disputes essentially like it's actually very fascinating and i actually kind of love like some of their beliefs about like an afterlife or like a kind of like uh again like a a heavenly state um i think it's really cool but they're they're like they have been under an organized state for so long. And this is why like they don't like they're culturally and I'm making a lot of generalizations right now. So I, I severely apologize. But the way I see it, like there is almost a cultural thing where it's like they don't care like what the system is. It's just like as long as it holds people together and like basically 
maintains a kind of like order at the top, it doesn't matter. Like they are just interested in kind of keeping the dynasty going and whatever gets them there is probably like what they're going to do. Like it's, it, I don't know. They are almost beyond uh, a kind of like state hood like even defining themselves politically because they've just been doing it for so long um they're kind of like fucking professionals i mean there is something highly admirable about it but i just find their like some parts of their system to be completely uh disgusting and antithetical to the human spirit so um i i I'm a, I am a bit. Maybe it's a bit of the afterglow of the Fourth of July. Um, but I will always. America. I will go to. I will go to bat for this country. I will, um, absolutely. Yeah, and it. I mean, it goes back to the whole. Yeah, this country has problems. Every fucking country has problems. Goddamn South. Korea, I think it was fucking South Korea. Just decided oh we're having issues with our aging population so we're going to increase our work week and make less time for people to have social lives and start families but why can't we increase our birth rate oh golly like everybody's got problems frankly does, does america need to fix its shit yeah it does we're working on it it's a slow process we're a young country, so our generations think change happens in a span of five years. This is a histor- historical time scale. It's gonna take a few hundred. Mm-hmm. Alright, I, I mean, think that's it for this week, though. And the last last comment. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think, I think, if anything, this country has proven that change... It can, it can change... Um, Pretty pretty quickly and pretty dynamically in a relatively short amount of time, but I think it's right to exercise patience, and maybe that's going to be the next great lesson of this uh, this forthcoming generation. But uh, yeah, I, really quick to anyone who did celebrate the Fourth of July, happy bladed Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. <laughs> All right, thank you for joining, James. Thank you for having me, RJ. It was. It was a great time. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies, where we have our meme Mondays. Our Twitter is at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love, and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. And last but not least, be a better buddy. Oh. Who's that? It's the boy. It's, it's the man himself. It's the, man the, the boy. Division. Oh, look, he coming. I'm here. Oh, here's that that boy, as they say. That chunky. Um, that chunk. He coming. The, the chunk master. The chunk master supreme.